friends, our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. But first, however, let us pray together. Startle us, O God. Startle us out of our computer screens and our complacency. And startle us into an awakened and alivened sense of your presence. Open our ears and our eyes. But most of all, open our hearts and our minds that we would encounter your word anew this day. We are your people, O God, and we are eager to hear from you. Amen. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I know that this is not how you imagined we might be introduced to one another. In worship, sure, but by means of a video screen, surely not. But here we are this first Sunday together, nevertheless, and firsts are important, aren't they? You and I know that in a very tangible way right now. Firsts inevitably offer some sort of insight into everything that will follow after. So, no pressure whatsoever when it comes to the sermon, right? But if it is true that firsts are important in life, it is equally true that they are important in Scripture. Just yesterday, I preached virtually at my seminary's commencement address for the class of 2020, and I was reminded how it was at that seminary that I learned just how important it is to pay careful attention 
to any biblical firsts. And the passage under our consideration today includes Jesus's first words in the Gospel of John and the first disciples he calls to follow him. It's a critically important moment, so I think it's worth noticing that Jesus totally flubs it up. Look at it again. Jesus is walking along. John the Baptist has been doing some serious recruiting for him. This guy, John says, this guy is the real deal. So two fishermen start following Jesus. One of them invites his brother. This third guy approaches Jesus and Jesus looks at him. That's what the gospel tells us. Jesus looks at him. He looks at this ragtag fisherman he had never met before in his entire life, and he says, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Peter. Now, I don't mean to be overly critical of the Son of God this quickly with you, but that's not how introductions are supposed to go. Think of it this way, Audrey Shiflett, she is the first member of the pastoral nominating committee that I met back in, back in January. She picked me up at the airport and with the kindness and hospitality that is inherent to her, she met me just outside of security. Now, when we first encountered one another, I said, hi, I'm Jenny, because that's what you do in an introduction. I did not say, hi, you're Audrey, but, you know, I think I'm going to call you Amanda. I didn't do that because that would be incredibly weird. But that's what Jesus does. In this moment of introduction, Jesus is supposed to tell us who he is. But instead, he tells us who we are which is incredibly weird, particularly when we consider that John is the one telling us this story. You see, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is never at a loss for words. The man loves to talk. If you have a red-letter Bible at home, pull it off the shelf, flip through it. The Gospel of John, it will have you literally seeing red. Jesus never stops talking. And most of what he has to say is about himself. And it's not because he's conceited or arrogant, not that at all. It's because he has two urgent concerns. First, he wants to make sure we understand who he is. And second, he wants to make sure we understand and trust and what that means. Over and over again, Jesus performs some sort of miracle in this gospel, and every time, absolutely every time, the gospel is careful to tell us that the miracle was done so that Jesus can reveal God's glory. And in case showing us isn't enough, and again, because he is known as the word of God for good reason, he tells us over and over too. I am the light of the world, he says. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am, I am, I am. Again and again and again. 
I am is a tremendously important phrase in Hebrew scripture, the scripture that Jesus himself was incredibly well-versed in. And there's a reason he uses it to describe himself. I am is a phrase that is only ever used by God. And absolutely no one in Jesus' time would have heard him use that phrase and missed the implication. I am is one of the most important things Jesus ever says about himself. And yet with his opening words in his introductory remarks, the great I am looks at Simon the fisherman and he says, you are. The truth of that moment is that Jesus isn't actually flubbing it up. I imagine you knew that as soon as I said it. He's actually being himself in that moment. He's being himself in the fullest and most faithful and most fantastic way possible. You see, when he says, you are Simon, son of John, I think what he's saying is, I know you. I know everything there is to know about you, the good and the bad and everything in between. And then when he declares, you are to be called Peter, I think what he's saying there is, I know who you are, and I know who you are capable of becoming. Let me introduce you to the very best version of yourself, because I have called you by name and you are mine. In saying all of this, Jesus creates a home for Simon, for Peter. He offers a place to anchor. He's saying, you belong here with me. I have a hope and a plan and a purpose for you. He takes a man who is just going about his everyday business, possibly feeling a bit adrift like many of us have felt these recent days. And he gives him an identity that will hold on to him for the rest of his life. This is an incredibly strange time to be entering into a new relationship together, isn't it? But the truth of the matter is, this isn't happening just between us. We are all living into new relationships and new roles and new names even on a daily basis right now. Kids are now homeschool students. Parents are now teachers. Teachers are now technology experts and advisors. Executives are now work from homers. Pastors are now televangelists. Congregants are now Zoom and Facebook aficionados. Hospital workers and grocery store employees and other essential folks are now frontline warriors. All of us, by default, to some degree, now dabble in the field of infection prevention. And we are all navigating a world that looks tremendously different than it did just a few months ago. Which means that all of us, if we are being honest, all of us have at least one moment in every day when our internal dialogue sounds something like this. I have absolutely no idea what I am doing. 
right? The world, friends, the world is still beautiful, but it is hard right now. There are more questions and chaos swirling around us than we are comfortable with. And at times it threatens to sweep us off our feet. That's why it is such a beautiful moment when Jesus calls us by name. It assures us that the most important thing Jesus has to say to us in this gospel is not, do you believe all the right things? Do you have all the answers? Or have you figured it all out yet? The most important thing Jesus has to say to us is not a question at all. It's a statement of fact. I know who you are, he says. You will always have a place. You belong with me. And we'll sort the rest out together. When my first niece, Lily, was born, I lived five states away, and I couldn't get there immediately. Now, this was back in olden days, before FaceTime, so my brother and his wife, they took a picture of their baby girl, and they emailed it to me. She was swaddled in a pink blanket, and next to her was a sign that said, Congratulations, Aunt Jenny. I already love you so much. Will you be my godmother? I come from a Catholic family. That explains that last question, but that's not the point. The point is I looked at that picture for approximately 0.8 seconds, and I thought, little girl, I will jump in front of a train for you, and I will read stories to you until you fall asleep, and if someone makes fun of you, they will have to answer to me, and when the world breaks your heart, I will hold you while you cry because I love you with every fiber of my being and I haven't even met you yet. She called me Aunt Jenny and that new title, that new name, it brought out some of the very best in me. Just like being called mother or daddy or grandma or husband or friend has brought out some of the best in each of you. Because those new names that are bestowed upon us, those new titles, those new ways of understanding who we are, think about how they introduce us. This is my child. This is my grandfather. This is my best friend. This is my pastor. This is my congregant. This is the language of belonging. And that is the language that God uses when God looks at us. This is my beloved, God says. This is my beloved child. You are my beloved child. That's a good moment, isn't it? It is. And the truth is, it's a moment that all of us share. We have all been given new names through all sorts of ways and manners and mechanisms, but all of us share a name given to us in baptism. Now, as we get to know one another better, you will learn that absolutely nothing in this world makes me smile bigger than Baptism Sunday. And I know it's been a little while since any of us have been able to gather around the font together. 
But the promises that we encounter there each and every time, they are strong enough to outlast any limits of space or time. So remember what happened. Remember how it is at the font where people who love you made some promises and they called you by name and then you were given a new name, child of the covenant, beloved of God. Our truest and best selves lie in that name and it is an identity that we can never shake because it's not dependent upon us, not one bit. It is a gift from God. It's a gift that we simply receive. It's a gift that binds us to a community, to a faith, to a tradition, to a God that is more persistent and more pervasive than any virus could ever hope to be. And it is a gift that holds on to us on our best days and on our worst, because friends, God is faithful always. You are Simon, Jesus says, but I'm going to call you Peter. I know who you are, Jesus says. I know who you are and I know who you are going to be. You are my beloved. Stick with me and I promise you everything is going to be okay. Friends, there will be plenty of time to come for all of the other introductions, introductions between you and me. The introductions that matter most are the ones that remind us all how wildly and extravagantly and unconditionally we are loved by God. The introductions that matter most are the ones that remind you how wildly and extravagantly and unconditionally you are loved by God forever. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.